Welcome back in. Brady Farkas show here on this Thursday, WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. You know, yesterday we spoke to Tom Karen of Nesson live at the general managers meetings in Scottsdale, Arizona. Those general managers meetings have since been canceled because of a virus sweeping through the, the complex, I guess, there. And joining us now is our ESPN MLB insider, Buster Olney. Buster, I'm glad you are safe in Montana. How are you? Um, healthy. I was texting with uh, some executives this morning and asking the question, are you, are you doing okay? Everything okay on your end? And yeah, what an unusual situation. Uh, you know, but, uh, even though the general managers are going to be truncated, there's plenty of us, uh, plenty for us to talk about this winter. That's for sure. Well, look, we talked a lot with TC yesterday about the Red Sox. I want to kind of follow up on some of what we talked about with him, and then kind of get some macro stuff as well. But uh, it was a week ago today that Craig Breslow was introduced as the uh, new chief baseball officer of the Red Sox. He's very, very smart. He's very, very well spoken. He's not giving a lot right now in terms of where the team is headed. What's been your first impressions? Uh, I'm impressed that it does feel like that he's got some leadership capabilities uh, that, you know, he's saying he's saying the right things, but it does feel like that he's also placing a high value on organizational culture. Uh, And it does feel like he's being inclusive, you know, based on the conversations I've had with people. And and that's good. I think that's a that's definitely a step forward. And I would assume as you say, I mean, he's not telling us a lot about it, what they're going to go after, but you would assume that pitching uh, is going to be priority given the fact that that's Craig's background, uh, that's his expertise, and, you know, whether that's adding a pitching coach like an Andrew Bailey who makes a lot of sense, uh, you know, whether it's uh, going out and, and pursuing a free agent. Um, I think that that's, uh, you know, that that's going to be the area of focus this winter. Speaking of pitching, I asked this question of TC yesterday, and I want to get your perspective on this, Buster. The guy I want, if I'm the Red Sox, is Sonny Gray. And I want him for a, a myriad of reasons. One, he won't be as expensive as some of the guys at the top of the food chain. Ground ball pitcher, I think that would play well at Fenway. But... In his career, he's been really good in Oakland, Cincinnati, and Minnesota. He was not good with the Yankees. Is there a a fear that he would not be good in a big market, or are the Yankees, you think, an outlier in what's a pretty good career? Look, and I've known Sonny since he was an undergrad at Vanderbilt. Uh, you know, uh, where I went to school, he's a great guy, and, and I don't think there's any doubt that his experience with the Yankees would scare off a team like the Red Sox. Mm. Uh, because it was clear he didn't want to be there. He didn't, uh, didn't, uh, you know, didn't respond well to the booing that he was getting. I think he is someone who's going to be more comfortable in a smaller mid-market. Uh, and, and just, and I haven't talked to Sonny about what he wants in free agency, but I personally would be stunned if he doesn't wind up with the St. Louis Cardinals. Mm. Uh, you know, a team that's desperate for starting pitching, and you know, it's not far away from where Sonny grew up in Tennessee. Uh, so I. Uh, I think that the, the Cardinals will be out in the marketplace with money to spend. Sonny's well worth it. He's a terrific pitcher. He's demonstrated that. He's a Cy Young finalist. And uh, I just I think he's probably someone who's you know, better off not being in New York and being in Philadelphia, being in Boston. You know, I don't know if it's going to be Yamamoto or if it's going to be Blake Snell or if it's going to be Montgomery. I think the Red Sox need a pitcher at the top of the food chain. But I'm also interested in a bounce-back candidate like Lucas Giolito, right? They can't make their entire rotation bounce-back candidates as they've done in the past. But if you can make your number five starter a bounce-back candidate, I'm fine with that. What do you think about the market for Giolito and kind of the potential of him? 
So Kylie McDaniel, who's my colleague at ESPN, uh, you know, he put he projected the contract for Giolito at four years and $68 million. Oh. Uh, I, I got to say, I just, I, I, I am going to be, I would be surprised if it's that high because he has really struggled. And, uh, you know, what Kylie didn't mention in, in his piece was, I think everyone wonders, you know, was Lucas Giolito with his, uh, you know, spike of success, how much was that tied to sticky stuff? Mm. And that's not a knock on him. As you know, uh, you know, there were a lot of pitchers in the sport who were using sticky stuff. If, if uh, you know, Lucas is one of those guys, I think a lot of teams will be digging into that. You know, is he able to get the same spin on his fastball, you know, post, uh, you know, post the ban, the crackdown we had on sticky stuff? I think that's going to affect a lot of what comes on. I'd say this. I do think if you're the Red Sox, there are a lot of, you know, potential good buys in this marketplace. Guys, you know, one-year deals. And that didn't work out for them necessarily last year. But I look at someone like Luis Severino with the Yankees, mm-hmm. uh, who was, uh, you know, he's he's demonstrated he's healthy, which has been the question with him. Uh, and and given the fact how hard he throws, uh, given his pure stuff, I think he'd be a good gamble yeah. for some team. Um, I know when I was, you know, late in the year when he was struggling with the Yankees, I was in the Astros clubhouse. One of the players was like, "Man, I'd love to have that guy on our team." Yeah, uh, and I translated that as. I'm willing to take a shot at a guy with a pure stuff like that. Giolito definitely is one of those guys. But, you know, if it's four years and $68 million, I think maybe the Red Sox look someplace else. And I do wonder, you know, Eduardo Rodriguez going back out in the marketplace, uh, you know, and having opted out of his deal with the Tigers, is he someone who would be a good buy for the Red mm-hmm. Sox? Because they know this. He knows the market. He's comfortable in the market. Um you know, and uh, they need a left-hander. Buster Olney, ESPN MLB Insider, with us here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV. Let's kind of talk about the outfield. Let's kind of work backwards here. We have talked about Alex Verdugo. I think he's going to get traded. I think he should get traded. You said last week he doesn't have a whole lot of value. Well, Breslow did say yesterday, I think very, very calculatedly, that they're fielding a lot of calls on Verdugo. Do you think that's true, or is he trying to drum up interest and raise the price? No, I think there probably is a lot of uh, interest in him. Uh, you know, I, I mean, look, the, the perfect comp for Verdugo at this point is what happened with Mark Canna of the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, you know, someone who had one year left with an option, I think it was for $11 million, yep. $12 million. Uh, and what did the Brewers get back? Not much. They got a fringy minor league pitcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that kind of tells you, and Canna played really well uh, in his in his time in Milwaukee, so that, I think that kind of gives you an idea of what you know the value of uh, the potential trade value for a guy on a one year with one year left before free agency. Uh, if you're the Red Sox, probably a priority is to clear the salary, and uh, you know to give you some flexibility to do some other things, and you hope you get a lottery ticket in return. You know, a young guy, as I said to you last week who might be 17, 18 years old, in two or three years, he might turn into something. I do think there probably are teams interested because it's only a one-year obligation and it's not a ton of money. But do I think those teams are calling saying, yeah, you can work from our top five prospect list, no chance. So, Buster, let's now kind of talk about – let's keep talking about the outfield. Let's assume Verdugo's gone. Adam Duvall is gone in free agency. That leaves the Red Sox with three youngsters, right? It leaves them with Jaron Duran – Sidon Rafaela and Will Abreu. 
I can't imagine a team that wants to compete in 2024 going in with three outfielders with that little experience. So whether they sign someone or they deal one of those guys, I'm not sure. But who's an outfielder you think could be a fit for them? Because they're going to need somebody with experience out there. Yeah, Tommy Pham. Look, the advantage of being a Red Sox, being with the Red Sox, is you're going to have a little bit more financial flexibility. So let's say you decide that you're you're going to flip for Dugo and you want to get, you know, a right-handed veteran. Well, Tommy Pham has experience in Boston. He demonstrated down the stretch that he could hit. I think he's probably going to be in line to get a two-year deal, maybe two years, 24, two years, 25 million. Uh, And maybe if you're the Red Sox, that's the type of investment you're willing to make. You know, what I heard from the Diamondbacks people, too, is that a day-in, day-out, they loved his intensity and they loved how he was a part of things. It's not the sort of, uh, you know, that's not the sort of signing that's going to light up the board uh, on on talk shows. But I do think it's something where if you're talking about not extending yourself with some whopper signing while trying to add depth, uh, Tommy would be a pretty good choice, especially with Justin Turner now leaving. And, And essentially, you're trying to replace that type of hitter. Yeah, and Breslow said, I think interestingly enough, yesterday or two days ago, that he views the designated hitter spot as like short of having a Hall of Famer, he would rather have it kind of as a yeah. rotational piece. So that means Justin Turner is not coming back. That it, that surprised me because Turner liked it here. He was good here, and he was great in the clubhouse. Usually when you have all three of those things, I think it's pretty easy to bring a guy back. I'm, are you surprised that Turner appears to not be a fit in 2024 here? No, I, you know, because I, I mean, I've heard this. I mean, he really loved playing with the Dodgers. He loved being out on the West Coast. Uh, you know, from what I understand, the Diamondbacks are going to be really interested in him to, you know, effectively be a replacement for Evan Longoria, a potential upgrade. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not surprised, and, and that's not at all. Look, I, I think Justin did everything right with the Red Sox. As you say, you know, he's a clubhouse guy, but he also embraced it. Um, you know, and, and the things that he did, I love the, the tweets last week about, hey, you know, Boston, I'm doing a candle pin bowling, mm-hmm. got a tip. Um, and I, I think that's important. And uh, but I, I, I do understand why, as Justin gets older, the feeling would be, look, we, we want to make sure. And with Yoshida's presence, let's face it, because Yoshida is someone who's viewed as some who probably is best position is a D.H., you're going, going to want to create some flexibility there. That's right. I forgot Yoshida when I mentioned my outfield glut there for the Red Sox. I had kind of written him into the DH spot, so can't forget him as well. Uh, Bus, before I get you out of here, kind of out, I guess Otani Watch is the continued biggest story right now in baseball. We probably don't know a lot there. What else is standing out to you nationally right now? What's happening with the managers, which I think could have a direct impact on the Red Sox a year from now. You know, Craig Council is generally regarded as one of the top two or three managers in the sport. I think if you did a vote of general managers, he probably would, would be voted number one. And we just saw him uh, you know, do something that we see players do all the time, in, and that is to get to free agency. His contract expired on October 31st. He was in the open market. The Chicago Cubs stunned the baseball world by signing him to this record-setting five years, $40 million deal. There is a feeling in the uh, manager fraternity that that group of people has been vastly underpaid uh, in, in the last uh, over the last 20 years. And there's talk uh, within that fraternity of, you know what, more guys need to get to free agency to push the salary ceiling. Who's the free agent next fall? Skip Schumacher, the Marlins. Uh, his deal set to expire. Brett, uh, Aaron Boone, 
and Alex Cora. And if Alex Cora gets to free agency, he's going to make a lot of money because mm. he is, uh, like Council, regarded as one of the best guys. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, if the Red Sox try to do a preemptive strike or if Alex, like Council, says, you know what, uh, I'm just going to get to the open market. Uh, that's when I'm going to have a better idea, as we saw with the Cubs and Council, uh, you know, what uh, what his actual value is. And, and we'll see if the Red Sox retain him. I think that's going to be a conversation a year from now. Buster, do you have time for one more quick question that just came to me? Yeah. Rob Bradford Absolutely. of WEEI said earlier today that last year the Red Sox and Yankees were talking about a possible Alex Verdugo for Glaber Torres swap, and he thinks the Red Sox are still interested in Torres to kind of fill their second base needs. Do you see something potentially happening there? Well, the big uh, you know push for the Yankees potentially in doing that is, is that they need a left-handed bat. Verdugo would certainly bring that. Um, you know, they have some uh, depth in the middle infield, so you could theoretically move Glaber. Um, you know, maybe this would be the case of a rare Red Sox-Yankee trade. I still think that, you know, given the Yankees' struggles offensively last year, trading Glaber Torres right now for them would be like trading one of their three or four best yeah. hitters. That would be uh, a high bar for them, and I think that from their perspective, they probably could go out and get a, you know, the sort of production that they would get out of Verdugo on the free agent market, you know, on a one or two year deal, like some of the, you know, some of the names that you and I have mm. talked about. So my instinct is, is that if uh, Glaber Torres is traded, it's not going to be necessarily for a one year guy. Buster, you're the best. Thank you. Uh, enjoy your continued time in Montana. Enjoy the off season. We'll catch up next week. Thanks, Brady.